Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word... Satan is not, he doesn't want to just mess me up a little bit. He wants to ruin my whole life, ruin my family, ruin my kids, ruin anybody connected to me. He hates my guts. So it's a real battle, it's a real war, and there's real enemy. It's a real enemy and there's lots at stake. And so there's any area of the flesh that you would say, man, I'm, I'm not winning this thing. This is what you got to do, right? One, you got to declare war, right? You got to, God, I got to get a victory here. I don't want to go another week losing this thing. I got to get a victory here. Tell somebody. The enemy is constantly searching for methods to undermine us. He seizes every chance to ruin us, physically, mentally, or even spiritually. Our own flesh is Satan's most powerful weapon. He takes use of our vulnerabilities to entice us. Can you retaliate? Pastor Bill explains in today's message how you can take on Satan. Distractions from the enemy will constantly come, but you can battle all temptations that your body is drawn to by asking God for guidance. The battle is yours to win if God is on your side. There are areas where maybe I would be tempted and maybe you wouldn't. And areas where maybe you would be tempted, but I would not, right? We all got our different little weaknesses and tendencies and whatnot. And so we come to God with all of that, our flesh. And now as a believer, God's like, no, the flesh is the enemy, but I live in it, right? I got the spirit of the living God in me that's moving me in a new direction and giving me new guidance, new direction. But I live in my old man, too. And the old man cries out for his old stuff. When I first got saved, I would tell you that the initial battle was women and then it was alcohol. Those two. I didn't think I could ever have a life apart from alcohol. I hadn't even the guy that led me to the Lord. I, I didn't even commit to not drinking again, because if you would ask me at that time, if, if you would, if I had to commit to not drink to get saved, I would have just not committed. I would have not got saved because I could not have imagined a life. All I could think of is I'll try to cut back. I'll try to not to get that drunk anymore, you know, turn my 40 into a tall can, see if I can, you know, just simmer down a little bit or whatever. And this is the miracle that God does. It wasn't until I received Christ in me that now there began to be a desire and an, and an ability to let that go. But it was a real battle. I used to drive by liquor stores. I, you know, I go to liquor store now with my kids and get candy and gum and chips and stuff like that. There was a time where I could not go to the liquor store. I would drive by, I remember driving down Crenshaw and it's, uh, you know, yeah, your stores you, you go to. And I would drive by and I, St. Eyes was my 40. That was, I was a, every day I would have a few of those and I would see the little crooked eye in the window and I would have a physiological, my heart would race. I could like, my body was saying, you need to go get one. Um, there were multiple times where I actually went and got one. And by God's grace, I poured it out. I didn't, God gave me victory that there was a fear of going back. Because uh, I know that I'm an all or nothing kind of guy. So if I drink, I'm, everything else is coming with the full package. And I was I didn't want to let go of what God had done. But there were multiple times where I, I had purchased a drink and then I threw it away. But it was it, when I say it was a real battle, it was a real tug of war. It was a real battle in the flesh that the spirit was saying this and the flesh was saying that. As time goes by, this is what I've learned is that the power that the flesh had, the strength of that temptation has significantly lessened. I, can't, I wouldn't say that I was never tempted, 
but it just doesn't have any power today. It doesn't have the kind of power it had then. Um, every once in a while, maybe a fleeting thought, or I may see a billboard, you know, around, there's certain times of the year where you see things, but never like it was way back then. And so Satan says, okay, we'll leave that alone. I got some other stuff. You're a whole mess. So I got other stuff to, to work with you on. And so he'll try another door, you know, and another door and another door. And that, that'll be for the rest of my life. But I live in this enemy called the flesh. And the enemy will throw out, you know, temptations and he'll throw things out there. The Bible says that by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body that you may live. It's, it's, uh, and this is, so, this is so important for us. Everything you need to overcome, everything you need to be victorious over the flesh it's been as you already have it right now. If you're a believer, the spirit of the living God dwells in you and everything you need to defeat the flesh is there right now. And if you yield to the spirit, you have victory over the flesh. And as you habitually yield to the spirit, that'll become your new normal. Right. The thing that was a terrible challenge at one point became easy at a point became it's not the challenge it used to be for me again that was alcohol at one point it used to be my mouth running my mouth saying you know saying stuff I shouldn't say to people talking back you know smart you know just bagging on people talking crazy to people that's my mouth has been my weapon my whole life right I can I can fix everything with my mouth or other other things and then I got saved and God was like you can't be talking to folks like that you know you can't tell people you can't just say whatever come to your mind and that was a battle. But you know what? God gave me victory there. God gave me victory over the tongue to use my mouth better. Um, it's every once in a while, you know, you can ask the people to live with me. Um, they'll see my brain going. They'll see me smirking. They're like, what, what? And I'm like, no, 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 I didn't say it. <laughs> I'm not, they, they'll beg me to say it, you know, even though I didn't or whatever. But point is, God will give us victory. We're going to be continuing to battle. The flesh and the spirit are going to be at war till we go to heaven. But everything you need to be victorious, you have. And so we need to know this. If there's some area of your flesh, and I want to be very serious about this. If there's an area of your flesh that is going unchecked, it is dominating you. It is you are not gaining ground. You are not getting victory. If you don't destroy the flesh, the flesh will destroy you. Satan is not playing with you. I need to know that for myself as well. Right. When Satan is tempting, he's not playing with me. Satan is not, he doesn't want to just mess me up a little bit. He wants to ruin my whole life, ruin my family, ruin my kids, ruin anybody connected to me. He hates my guts. So it's a real battle. It's a real war and there's real enemy. It's a real enemy and there's lots at stake. And so if there's any area of the flesh that you would say, man, I'm, I'm not winning this thing. This is what you got to do, right? One, you got to declare war, right? You got to, God, I got to get a victory here. I don't want to go another week. Losing this thing. I got to get a victory here. Tell somebody. Don't let it be a secret. That's one of Satan. One of the things Satan does to believers is he gets us living fake holy where we're we're content to pretend to be doing well rather than to just tell somebody what you're doing and, and actually get well. It'd be better to tell somebody that loves you and loves the Lord everything. And this is what I'm really doing. And just lay it out. Somebody that loves the Lord that can speak God's word to you and minister truth to you. Don't ever fall into the trap of pretending to be doing well spiritually when you know you're you know it sucks right now you know you're doing terrible don't let satan get you into that mode it'd be much better to keep it a buck with somebody and say i'm doing terrible i'm sinning i'm falling i'm failing i'm being two, five out of five days i've blown it here i need help it would be so much better to say that 
and have somebody praying for you and sharing with you and walking with you and mentoring you and ministering to you to where when you really do get to a place where you're having victory. Because here's the thing, when you really learn how to have victory, now you can go help somebody else get that same victory. But if all you learn how to do is fake victory, you're useless. You're not doing well. You can't help rescue anybody else either. But you'd be blown away if God if God can bring you through to where you get your victory. You will have a tender heart. You will have an ability to help. Now I can walk somebody else. I, I know what it's like. I've been there. I can walk somebody through how to get their own victory in this area. And then that person will be able to help somebody else out. We'll be multiplied helping people out. Sometimes the again, the, the error in the church is that we we'd rather fake it. We'd rather pretend to be doing well. Don't ever be content to be like Saul. Saul wanted to look like things were well when they weren't. Don't ever be like that. If things are bad, say they're bad. Be honest about it. That was one of the best things I ever did in my life was when I got to a point where I was comfortable to just say what my sin was and what I was doing um, to people that I trusted spiritually to minister to me. Um, it was it was liberating. And that's where I saw the most victory in my life where things weren't in the dark. What I find is this, when if you leave your sin in the dark, that's where Satan has all the power. He's the prince and power of the darkness. When you bring your sin into the light because you confess it, you drop dime on yourself. Now my sin's in the light where God can help me with it. I'm, I'm not hiding it. So there, boom. Satan can't throw it in my face. He can't bring, come around the corner and hit me with it. And I'm not, he said I did that. I, I told, I, I got more than that to say. As a matter of fact, you know, you just, this is what I'm dealing with. I'm going to get help with it. I just would encourage anybody listening that's how we overcome and deal with the flesh. Uh, it's a real enemy. So you got to declare war on it and you want to deal with it, whatever the issue is. Um, if there's something that you're just, man, I'm just not getting a victory here. Find you somebody in the body that you could trust and talk to and open up to uh, that can pray with you. And, uh, you know, that's important. We need to be able to do that for each other. And we need to be as someone does it for us. Again, later on, you can do it for somebody else. Uh, we want to be able to do that for each other. So. Moving on now, in verse 22, uh, Samuel is responding to Saul, who, who lied and blamed it on the people, said that he did do it. In verse 22, so Samuel said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, it is better to obey than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of ram. This is what God is saying. I'd rather, your, I'd rather have your obedience than your gifts. All right? Your obedience is greater than sacrifice. I don't care about that stupid sacrifice. You're telling me you disobeyed me to keep sacrifices to give to me? God, that's not what I asked for. I want obedience. Obedience is worship. Remember that. The highest form of worship from the believer to God is obedience. Don't ever forget that. God, I want to worship the Lord with everything I Obey him. When your flesh is begging to go left, that's left. And you're like, but God, for your glory, I'm going to go right. I'm going to do what your, your word says. Dude, that's worship. You have said, God, I, I value you more than that over there. I would rather please you than please myself. I worship you. Your worth is greater to me than my own self or somebody else. It's worship. It's the highest form of worship. You can add to that song. You can add to that lip service. You can add to that other things. But your obedience is the highest form of worship. If you ever want to just, oh God, I want to scream to God. I love him. Obey him. Obey him when it's difficult. That's God's love language. You are, you are yelling in his love language. I love you more. I love you more than anything. You can say the words. I love you more than any song like that. I love you more than anything. But if you obey him when your flesh don't want to. 
That's now you're saying to God, I love you more than anything in a way that he loves it the best through your obedience. And so Samuel tells Saul here, obedience is better than sacrifice. Verse 23, he says, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. And so in as much as obedience is better than sacrifice, he says, look, rebellion is just like witchcraft. Think about that. You're rebelling against God. He says it, it's anonymous with witchcraft, um, seeking a, a medium or, or something. Just oh, disobedience, rebellion against God is like witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. And God says, look, because you rejected him, because you rejected God, you rejected the word of the Lord. He has now rejected you from being king. Saul has been told this multiple times now that you've been rejected. You're no longer going to be the guy. And God is setting him down uh, through the words of Samuel. Verse 24 now, Saul gives another excuse. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words. And look what he says, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. So rather that's true or not, it's a little late. But Saul says, okay, okay, I sinned, I sinned, I sinned, I did, I did. I fear the people. If you're a note taker, write down Proverbs 29, verse 25. It says, the fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord will be safe. And maybe he did fear the people. Maybe he did want to please the people more than he wanted to please God. That's the danger of being a man pleaser. Uh, we want to be God pleasers. We want to be people that are our highest concern is to please God and everybody else falls under God. If you're married, your husband or wife falls under pleasing the Lord. If you got children, your children fall underneath your pleasing the Lord. If you're serving in the ministry, the people in the ministry that you serve in fall underneath. You want to please God above everybody else. And sometimes what you're going to find is you can't please everybody and God. So when you got when people force you to make that decision, make sure you choose to please the Lord. Let everybody else deal with it. They'll be all right. They'll get it figured out later on. But you want to be we want to be pleasing to the Lord. That's the desire of the, the heart of the believer. We want to be well pleasing to the Lord. Verse 25. Now it says, now, therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me that I may worship the Lord. I want you to know something. He's going to ask several times for Samuel to please come with me. And this is what he wants. He wants it to appear before the people as though everything is OK. That Samuel is still with me, that things are okay between me and Samuel and the Lord and everything. He says, just come back with me so that I can worship. Does he really want to worship God? Not the way God wants to be worshipped, right? He wants to go back and, and do the public thing with everybody and offer the sacrifices and have all those things happen. And he needs Samuel for that. Uh, he says, well, come back with me so that I may worship. Verse 26. But Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you. For you have rejected the word of the Lord and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. And as Samuel turned around to go away, Saul seized the edge of his robe and tore it. So Samuel said to him, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. We know who that is, right? That's going to be David. But I want you to think about those words to a man that cares about what people think. He says, the Lord, he says, just like you tore my robe right now, the Lord has torn the kingdom from you and he's given it to someone who is better than you. Those are heavy words. And, and those words, I believe, would haunt Saul as we're going to continue through the book and see how he goes after David. I think those words haunt him through this book. Verse 29. 
and also the strength of Israel. This is a unique title for the Lord. It's only used here in the whole Bible. The strength of Israel. That's, that's a title for the Lord. Uh, the strength of Israel will not lie nor relent for he is not a man that he should relent. And this is this is Samuel letting Saul know this is not going to be turned back. It's we're beyond the point of any return. God's not going to forgive you of this. God's not going to change his mind or let you be the king. It's, it's a wrap. The kingdom is being stripped away from you and it's not going to go back. Verse 30. Then he said, I have sinned, yet honor me now, please, before the elders of my people and before Israel and return with me that I may worship the Lord your God. Y'all hear what he's concerned with? He's OK, 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 I sinned, I sinned. Now, now come back and honor me, honor me before the people, honor me in front of the people and return with me that I may worship the Lord. He is concerned. He is still more concerned about the people and how they're going to view him, how he's going to look in front of the people. Again, I would caution us to be just to fight that with everything you got. Just don't ever get caught up in that trap of being that concerned, that heavy concern about people and this little concern about the Lord. Don't ever get it twisted like that. We want to be concerned about what the Lord thinks. And so Samuel turned back to Saul and says in verse 30. So Samuel turned back after Saul and Saul worshiped the Lord. Verse 32. Then Samuel said, bring Agag, king of the Amalekites, here to me. So Agag came to him cautiously for good reason. Right. Samuel said, you know what? So I'm going to come back to the worship, but I'm going to I'm going I'm I'm to take I'm some unfinished business. Go get that king. Y'all kept back. Bring Agag on down here. I'm going to hang out with him for a minute. He doesn't say that, but he brings him down when it says Agag came down cautiously. He knew he was supposed to be wiped out and he came down cautiously. And Agag says to Samuel, surely the bitterness of death is past. Oh, man, surely. Yeah, I mean, we are not still mad about that old thing. We killed all y'all Israelites back then. We good, right? That's what he's saying. And Samuel said, as your sword has made women childless, so shall your mother be childless among women. And Samuel hacked Agag to pieces before the Lord in Gilgal, right? Now, again, Samuel, this wasn't his job. He's the prophet, right? That's his job. He's supposed to speak forth the word of God. This was King Saul's business. But Samuel said, I'm not going to, I'm not going, I'm not leaving until we deal with this. And he hacked them into pieces. Just, I'm looking at Sam, this is a man of God. He's a humble spokesman for the Lord. And he has this, this king there and he hacks him to pieces, before the Lord. This is what we were supposed to do to this. Look at this. That's how we're supposed to deal with the flesh. Again, remember that the Amalekites represent to us the type of the flesh that's we want to deal with the flesh brutally and definitively and with some finality, kind of like what Jesus says. Jesus says, look, if your arm causes you to stumble, what does he say? Chop it off. Don't you can't play around. Don't, don't, don't be sweet with it. Don't wrap it up and, you know, no, chop it off. If your eye is causing you to pluck it out, better to go to heaven with one eye than to go to hell with two. Amen. And so when we deal with the flesh, it's, it's brutal. It's definitive. It's rip it out, tear it up, leave nothing behind. I'll say this. Many of our sins have paraphernalia that goes with them. Right. When you get saved, when you commit to not do whatever the thing is, you should get rid of everything that goes along with it. Right. Uh, so somebody got a weed box that uh, the, all the whole box, the whole everything, the pipe, break it all up, throw it away. I have multiple trips like that where I, I broke up stuff. 
I mean, I broke it up good. I made sure nobody was ever going to get to see it or use it again. And then I trashed it. I had burnt, I burnt stuff, broke stuff, threw it away. Whatever needed to be done, let it be behind you. Leave it, leave it to where you can't go back to it. Don't leave a trail back to it. Burn it, disregard it, do whatever it is. If there's some relationship that God has called you, destroy it. Don't, don't try to save it. Don't try to, if there's something God has called you away from, get out of it. Right. Don't try to save it. I've had people say, well, I just want to be nice. You need to be obedient. Right. Sometimes you can't be nice to the flesh. You can't be nice to everybody. There are people that I've realized over the time that I walk with the Lord is if you don't respect who I am as a, I'm a married man, I got a family. If you don't respect that, you mean me harm. I don't got to be nice to you. Right. I don't have to be nice to if there's a woman that don't respect my marriage. I don't got to be nice to her. I'm nice to everybody else. But I'll treat you like trash. You're the devil to me right now. I'm going to treat you like the devil. I might punch you, you know, um, not I'm not a puncher. I, we could do it. But, uh, you know, there's things that we just don't play with. We don't we don't leave room. We don't leave room for it. We deal with it. And it's definitive. And so Samuel hacked him into pieces. He will not be back. Amen. They ain't got to worry about Agag ever again because he hacked his butt to pieces. That's what we want to do to the flesh. Just it's, it, it, it'll never be back. It's never. He, I don't think it, it'll never come back from this, this thing right here. That's what we want to do to the flesh. That's the picture that we get. Verse 34. Now, then Samuel went to Ramah and Saul went up to his house in Gibeah of Saul. And Samuel went no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul and the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. And so, again, even at the end, you see Saul that Samuel, he's grieved. He's bummed that, man, we, we made this guy king. And look at what it, look, it's Samuel's like, I knew this was going to happen. I knew they should have just let God continue to govern him. Now we're, we're done with the first king. It's been terrible. Start to finish. It's been it's been bad. And now he's finally out of there. But there's some lessons for you and I in all of this. So as we wrap up this chapter, a couple of, I guess, the main lessons that I would give us are this. We want to obey the Lord completely. Uh, whatever it is that God has spoken to us, whatever. And for you and I, we're not necessarily looking for prophets to speak. God speaks to us through his word every day. And when he does so, we want to we want to hear it. I want to hear the Bible as the word of God. And I want to obey it with that kind of heaviness. God, this is your word. Don't ever have a yeah, but when God's word is said to do or to not to do something. God, we obey. We yield to your word. You're the Lord. Um, we want to be obedient uh, with regard to our flesh, which we all live in. We all battle with. Again, I really want to encourage us that if we're if you're victorious, maybe God has given you victory. Maybe you had a drug issue at some point in time. Maybe like me, you had alcohol. Maybe you had sexual sin. Maybe you were a thief. Maybe you whatever you used to be. If God has granted you victory um, and you really have victory over that part of your flesh, um, avail yourself as you interact with the body, as you talk to people. Um, if God would bring someone that you find is where you were, God wants to use us. Have a heart that says, let me share my story. Let me share how, how the Lord walked me into victory uh, with this person. Let me walk with them a little bit and see if I can help them out there. If you're still in the throes of some battle in the flesh. I want to encourage us. I hope you guys know it's my heart as a church. I don't ever want to be the church. I really don't where people have to fake it. I don't want anybody to ever feel like they got to fake anything. It'll always be OK to say I'm not doing well and this is what I got going on and I need help. 
That's what we're here for, right? The church is a hospital. It'll always be okay. No one's going to shun you. No one's going to kick you to the curb. No one's going to you know, make fun of you. No one's going to put you on blast. If you're battling and you're failing and you're, you're beat up in some area and the enemy just been having a private field day whomping on you and something, just bring it forth. Let somebody know that we can pray and talk and share and walk with you. Don't ever feel ashamed. Don't let the enemy trick you into hiding something God wants to bring to the light so you can get free of it. Amen. We know there are many ways that you can spend your day, but we're delighted that you chose to spend time with us today in the book of 1 Samuel. Pastor Bill is the voice behind these teachings here on A Transforming Word. We genuinely trust that what you're hearing is truly having a transforming effect on your life through listening to God's Word. What is standing out to you about the book of 1 Samuel? Is it the character of Samuel and how he came to the position he did in Israel? Perhaps your curiosity is piqued by the accounts of young David fighting off wild animals and even fighting against a giant enemy. There are all kinds of accounts of fights, chases, and running away from someone who was once trusted. There are also great moments of David and Jonathan and their friendship. This Old Testament book can be such a treasure of information history, and life lessons. We hope that you're connecting with it in multiple ways today. A Transforming Word is a radio ministry based out of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood, in Inglewood, California. Would you come visit us? Sunday morning services are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. For those not in the area, you can live stream our service on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram. Look for links on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. Our time with you today is about us. But please join us again for the next edition as Pastor Bill continues to teach through the book of 1 Samuel. Until then, keep learning and growing in the Word and be expected for another great message here on A Transforming Word.